0: It is encounter with God time here on the breakfast show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, some interesting text messages to talk about. I haven't really heard from anyone on the issue of corporal punishment. Mm. I think everybody's too scared to comment on that one. Mm. Because as soon as you go to one side, the other side's going to smash you. And vice versa. No, I think one side's going to smash you on this <laughs> one, are not they? <laughs> 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 But I know this is an area in which there are strongly held opinions and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Actual funny Lyle joke. That's so awesome. All, right. you mean actual fun- All of my jokes are funny. What are you talking about?
1: I have the most awesome jokes ever. I, I agree. Yes. <laughs> Let's have a look at some clues for the quiz. Well, our, our fourth clue for the quiz coming into this hour. Where did John the Baptist baptize people? A, a river, B, a lake, C, an ocean, or D, a bowl.
0: You know, I was going to, I when I heard that question, I'm like, okay, name the spot uh-huh. near the, you know, name the region, like as in the... No, nah, no. Nah, a, a not- river,
1: B, a lake, C, an ocean, or D, a bowl. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one if you do you will go into the draw to win our KJV Bible i can't get over what you say just said, la that's so funny. (laughs) You win our KJV Bible with the Mark Finley study helps in the front. And we're going to be having the draw for that just towards the later half of this hour at 8.45. But again, that question was, where did John the Baptist baptize people? A, a river, B, a lake, C, an ocean, or D, a bowl? All right.
0: We did have a question earlier in the show. Uh Uh-huh about are there more stars in the Milky Way or mm-hmm. more trees on Earth? Uh-huh. The answer was trees.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And somebody says that's only observable stars. Well, this is... This astronomies is- only touched the visible universe. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, 100 The next
1: telescope will blow their minds. But this is the thing. I'm like, okay, how long did it take to count 200 billion? I've never thought about that. Right? Like, if if the, they know there's 2 billion, 200 billion because the James Webb telescope can see two hundred billion, but how did they count two hundred billion? Who, who did that? Who actually sat down? And how do you know that
0: you haven't counted the same star twice?
1: Yeah. There's
0: an answer to this. The, I think, that, like, maybe think in, it's
1: like an AI algorithm or something. I but think
0: I think they did it with photos, and then just ticked them off. Just, you know, cross them off with a red pen as they went. I
1: mean... Oh, yikes. I mean, okay, if you I have, don't know. I really have no idea. If you had 7 billion people, which is the entirety of our Earth's population... Yes. You could... I don't know. They could count, like, five, six stars each, and then... How
0: much time does it take to count but to... for a
1: small group of people... Well, like a billion seconds is like a really long time. Yeah. Like a billion. I think we've all, not all of us, but maybe some of us have seen that that classic Louis Giglio sermon where he talks about the astronomical odds, about Jesus and space and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty sure he says that to count to one billion, it's like almost 40 years is a billion seconds. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Something crazy. So how are they counting a hundred two hundred billion stars? This is a this is a question that is perplexing us. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Please. Here's what I let suspect. Us know. Okay.
0: I suspect they took a photo mm-hmm. of an average spot in the Milky Way, uh huh, counted the stars in that average spot, then calculated the diameter of the Milky Way and said, We well, reckon there's about two billion. Okay. Cause I suspect that it's not exactly two billion. Mm-hmm. Two hundred billion. Two hundred billion. I, I suspect it might be two hundred and one billion, maybe. Yeah, maybe more, maybe less. Give or take a billion here and mm. there. It's not a huge amount. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let me see here. Next text message says: Haven't you heard that we heard we are now told that your rainwater should not be drunk due to microplastics in the atmosphere? Ooh. they will say anything for
1: control. Yeah,
0: well, there's microplastics everywhere. There's 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 definitely
1: microplastics in the pipes. Are you serious? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There's definitely microplastics in the dams. (laughs) If there's microplastics in the sky, bro, the dams must be... That's crazy. I'm thinking there is less (laughs) in the clouds than what there is in the water on Earth. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Microplastics then, are bad, by the way. We, we believe that microplastics oh, are terrible.
0: Very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe it's Friday again. Where did the week go at this rate? The Lord will be back very soon. So that's, true. That's that's actually a good way of looking at it because sometimes I look at it and go like, another week's gone already? Whatever mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. don't seem to have got anything done this week. Mm-hmm. And then the other way of looking at that is, you know, that's the glass half full. Glass Sorry, the glass half empty. Glass half full is...
1: At this rate, the Lord's coming really soon. Especially when you're, like, preaching on Sabbath. Yes. And it just comes up quickly. It's just like, oh, I've got to speak tomorrow. Yes. Good times.
0: Okay. So, Franco says this about producer sh- radio host.
1: Radio host shell show.
0: Yes, it's a great arvo on the Thursday. The best music. Mm-hmm. Which it is. So for those of you who may have missed what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, Producer Shell is not just Producer Shell. She's a radio host. She produces the breakfast show. She produces the Wednesday afternoon show. She hosts the Thursday afternoon show wow. and she does an amazing job of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a bit of a new thing for, for, for her. So do tune in there to the afternoon show on Thursdays from I think it's 3 to 5 or 3.30 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. 3.30 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. And you will be amazed. Okay, this one says, from Braden, when I first started at my position, Queensland had made it requirement for new homes to have a water tank. Was at the height of the drought? Even though the tanks were tiny, about 2,000 litres. What are you going to do with 2,000 litres? Mm. Uh, as soon as the drought eased, the requirement was scrapped. Typical governments, to be reactive rather than proactive. Mm. Yeah, I think every tank should have maybe at least a 3,000-litre tank, maybe a 6,000-litre tank. Mm. And there should be a rebate from your water bill for that. Yeah. To go towards it. And then we would do so much to ease our water burden during droughts. Mm. And I think that when droughts come, you should still have the same water restrictions. In other words, don't water your grass. Drink that water that mm. came out of the sky. It's good water. It's good for you. Mm. Uh, I just want to thank both producer Shell. Through the breakfast show, through the breakfast show, I am learning to understand my Bible. Avid listener from sharing. Amen. Okay, and then someone says, "Spot on, Lyle. That's how they count them." So I must have got it right. They took a photo of one particular spot and averaged it out.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Now, like, so that, yeah, that's, from, that's from an expert. There you go. Yeah, I, I, they didn't put their name,
0: but they're an expert <laughs> because they agreed with me. <laughs> Definitely an expert, right there. Uh, okay, what have we got here? Uh, did you know that Satan will personate Jesus before the second coming? Get ready? yeah, uh-huh Bible talks about that mm-hmm. uh, Sunday work discrimination hopefully the legislation will also apply for Sabbath keepers in the future of course we know it won't when the economic reset hits, there is good chance that Saturdays will become a work day in its later stages. I think that's very well written
1: mm.
0: it's there's a good chance mm. uh, we don't know the future we do know what will happen we just don't know the mechanism mm. and it's really interesting to look at the possible mechanisms and to see just how real those mechanisms are right now mm. and see how easily this could be done
1: yeah good 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 point of course we know those who are truly trying to follow God and practice their religion at the very end of time they will be persecuted yeah. this is what we do know
0: uh and there's a follow up text to say let's face it we know what the bible says on this Absolutely, Revelation 13 is a fascinating chapter of the Bible to study right there in the mm. book of Revelation. Okay, both Buddha and Muhammad were mere human beings. Jesus with divine. Great difference. Neither of them offered salvation in themselves. Only Jesus did that. Only one is God. Mm-hmm. So that's what you had to say about the first half of the show this morning. We want to encourage you to send your messages through or give us a call. You can jump on here and have a conversation. Give us a hard time if you like. Agree or disagree. I would particularly love to hear your thoughts on corporal punishment Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe even come up with a Bible verse or two to back up your thoughts in relationship to corporal punishment.
1: You know what would, I think, get that train rolling? What's that? What's your thoughts on corporal punishment?
0: Ah, well, that would be a very interesting question to ask. <laughs> but see, if I answer that, I will intimidate the other, I, I risk intimidating the other half of the equation. I want to hear from
1: both both sides this mm. morning mm-hmm. on this particular issue. 0491 064 669 is the number to call. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: All right, we need to get into our Bible study. Let's go to James chapter 4 and verse 7. This week we have been looking at praise. Mm. And praise as being one of the key elements of surviving the crucible. Yes. And we've been looking at various examples of that that we have in the Bible. We have the example of Paul and Silas. Mm. They were in the crucible. What did they do? They praised. praised. We had that wild story yesterday about Jehoshaphat. Uh huh. Jehazel? Jehaziel. Jehoshaphat and Jehaziel, who got together and did everything wrong to defeat the Moabites, Ammonites, and Midianites, mm-hmm. and defeated them with praise. Mm. They actually had the choir leading the army into battle. That's amazing. They get to the place where the battle is going to take place, <laughs> and everybody's dead. And they all killed each other. Uh-huh. You know, they turn around and it's like. You know, you can kind of see, you, you get that kind of alliance where these are nations that historically have hated each other for a very, mm. very long time. They've mm. come together and they've made this alliance and you can understand how, you know, it wouldn't be hard for God to intervene there and just to, you know, okay, here's a warrior and he has a gripe with that warrior over there and that warrior is a different nation so he just goes over and kills him mm. because that's kind of how things would happen in the ancient times and mm. it only takes one, it only takes a spark and suddenly the two sides are killing each other and the Midianites are standing off to one side watching it happen like, oh, look at that. And then somebody
1: kills one of their guys. And so it's just like, nah, that's it. It's on. I can imagine, like, this is such a, such a, uh, what's the word? It's such a timid kind of situation, like such a reactive situation. Yes. it's immediate. I can imagine this playing out in, like, sitcom movie format where you know someone's accidentally knocked someone's food over or something yes and then it's just like the spark is set that just turns into all out destruction amongst these people that leaves them all dead and as you said i can just imagine the scene. like they come over the over the mountain you know they're about to uh, descend down into the valley and they're like wait there's no one alive here They're all people. (laughs) And you know,
0: you kind of think about those nations as they're going back and they're scratching their heads and like, we went off to war, we all died, and we never fought the enemy. Mm. I mean, that's a really bad outcome. (laughs) That's a, that's a very bad outcome. What is interesting though, you talk about you know somebody spilling somebody's food or something like that mm. and it becomes a spark that ignites it. When you actually study massacres, mm. spontaneous massacres, mm. so not pre-planned massacres where somebody's you know, thought it up and like, yeah, I'm going to go and shoot up a school or a church or whatever it might be, a concert, something like that. But spontaneous massacres, almost universally, it's something small like that mm. that, uh, that, that sparks the massacre. And, and and then it's just all on, you know. I think it was uh, one of the massacres of U.S. servicemen in the Second World War that was sparked by, you know, a bunch of Americans had been taken prisoner, and the Germans were going down the line and just sort of taking stuff off of the off, off of the POWs, and one of the Germans, you know, pulls finds a photo. This 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 U.S. guy had a had a photo of his girl, mm. and he just drops it on the ground and stands on it. And so the U.S. guy responds by grabbing his rifle and shooting him Mm. and the next minute the machine guns open up and all the Americans get masked. Mm. You know, you just get that small little thing that just sparks it and you kind of wonder what happened. And you wonder how many people at the end of the day actually know what happened because somewhere in that camp, that vast army the Bible describes as, somewhere there was most likely a small thing like that that happened. Mm. And did anybody survive to actually even know what happened? Did the Moabites, uh, Ammonites and Midianites even know why they were fighting each other? Mm. It just suddenly started. And once it started, the only way you can survive is is to just go all in. Mm. You have to fight, and this would not be a difficult thing for you know for God to have done. You know, we look at some of the miracles that He did, where He saved His people, and this would be of a lot easier for God to accomplish than say, you know, when He went, went out and killed one hundred eighty six thousand Assyrians who were camped outside of Jerusalem. Mm. But what is remarkable is the faith of Jehoshaphat and his trust, absolute trust. In the word of God that came through the prophet Jehaziel. Because Jehaziel says, You're not gonna to need to get you're not going to need to fight in this battle. Mm. God will fight for you. And so they go out there, everybody's dead, God's already been there. <laughs> God's already fought that battle, mm. it's done, it's over, they've all gone home. Go and, you know. No more collect, threat. Collect, you know, whatever is whatever is of value that is still laying around and go back to Jerusalem. The threat is gone. Mm. Uh, and this is a threat that would have absolutely smashed them and destroyed them. So, you know, we've got some really remarkable experiences of people who have praised God mm. when they have been in the crucible and God has come through in the most amazing ways, you know, the story of Paul and Silas that we mentioned earlier. What I want to know this morning is this. What's your story? mm What's your story of a time when you were really struggling and you just decided to praise God? Mm. You decided to spend some time in prayer and praise and you were going through a horrific time and God was able to turn it around for you. Mm. We really need to hear those kinds of stories. We need to hear your story of how that happened so that other people can learn from it and experience it. It's one thing to look back you know, a couple of thousand years to uh, the story of Paul and Silas. Or you know, 2,800 years to the story of Jehoshaphat. But what's your story? Mm. When did this happen to you? And how did it work out? Give us a call: zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, or shoot us a text message on that same number. That is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so we're gonna look at. What did we say?
1: We're going to James chapter four. I'm I'm here. I'm ready to go. You've been there the whole time. Yeah. James 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you.
0: Okay, so how does this verse work into the context of what we have been talking about?
1: I I, I love the, I I think the key word here that I love that's included is the word, humble yourselves or phrase. So humble yourselves before God. And what does it look like to humble ourselves before God? Like to truly be humble before Him, as we've been talking about praise throughout the week. I I believe that's where it starts. Like we praise God, we heap praise onto God because we are not heaping praise onto ourselves. You can listen to a thousand and one inspiring story podcasts or YouTube videos of people doing incredible and amazing things. And I feel like in the secular context, or, you know, TED Talks or whatever it is, like, oh, I'm this person, I did this. Uh, and I feel like people who do things that are really, really, truly remarkable are often usually quite humble, but are often it's it's not easy it's not hard it's not difficult to find people where you listen to their story and it definitely comes off like like okay admittedly they did something amazing but it's then I I think particularly of maybe podcast host or whatever listening to some person's story they're like wow you're so awesome you're so amazing I can't believe that you did this and this is who you are you're such an incredible person it's this person tells about this great trial that they overcame or this great thing that they did and then often as a result of it, They are heaped praise praise is heaped onto them. Like, wow, this person is so incredible and amazing and so strong willed that they were the catalyst for their own success. Yes. Whereas what we're seeing here is something very different. So humble yourselves before God. And then it says here following, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The greatest trial that we have in life is overcoming sin which is, you know, actuated and and pushed onto us by, by Satan himself. And it's like, oh, the only way that the greatest trial in life can be overcome is by humbling ourselves before God. There is no amount of human strength or will that will be able to achieve this. And there's no amount of praise of self that will reflect what really happened in a situation where we did overcome sin and trials and struggle. No, humble yourselves before God. Why? Because he's the one who's doing it. As we've said, you know, as we, we've been talking about the story of Jehoshaphat and Jehaziel, like, it was God who won the battle. Yes. And they did everything wrong. That's right. And, and actively. They did everything wrong from a human perspective. That's right. They did everything right... From God's perspective From God's perspective And it started with Like imagine Like imagine the pride That would well up in your heart What do you mean Go and worship God Like shouldn't we be getting ready No Humble yourselves He's going to win the battle It's the same in our lives Humble ourselves Before God Give Him the praise You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast On Faith FM Positively different
0: here on The Breakfast Show as we get back into our Bible study. Mm. Uh, before we do, we have the last opportunity that you will ever have the to win the prize. Last,
1: Here we go. How many wise men from the East visited Jesus in Bethlehem? Ah, oh, this is a tricky one. You might think it's easy. but well, <laughs> you're going to see. 0491 064 is the number to call or text. Again, how many wise men from the East visited Jesus in in Bethlehem. We're talking about the nativity story here. We're talking about events that we know we go over every single year that people who, like, all of my family, were well, actually, all of my family think they know the answer to this question. Mm. But do you know the answer? 0491 You will go into the running to win the KJV Bible with Mark Finley Study Helps. This is an awesome, big, black... Bound leather Bible, which we will give you absolutely for free. All you have to do is be in the draw, and all you have to do is win the draw. But, and the only way that you can enable yourself to win is by answering these questions. So, again, that question was, how many wise men from the East visited Jesus in Bethlehem?
0: Okay. You know, the answer, give us a call right now. James chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, the Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you from the evil one. No, sorry, that was. Second Thessalonians I'm like... James four says therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you we're looking at the subject of praise here this morning yeah and how um, praise that... helps us to like... overcome bad times
1: I was just gonna say I'm like that would be embarrassing if I was just reading and going on and on and on about this why didn't you tell me I was reading the wrong verse but I'm like no that is the right verse no, it's I'm it's it's reading it in it's my it's Bible a different translation. Yeah, my, <laughs> very my, different one. No, nah, but mine has just a very, very different translation. Yeah. But actually, the, the NLT on this one is basically exactly the same. Yeah, it is. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, one of the things that jumps out to me,
0: yours says humble, mm-hmm. mine says surrender. Mm. And I think there those two words that go together, I find that surrender or submit mm-hmm. is a more powerful word. Both of them are very powerful words.
1: I think surrender definitely puts the focus on the object that you're surrendering to, rather than like humility is about like the the humility of the subject. Yes. So the subject being like us. So humble yourselves. And now we can see it's like humble yourselves before God, which still gives still gives you know some, humility is requ- the is object, a requirement. Subject.
0: Sorry, I butted in. Nah, you're right. But humility is a requirement to be able to surrender. Mm-hmm. You need to have humility so that you can surrender. But there's mm-hmm. no point having humility and then not surrendering.
1: Yeah, but again, I, I feel like the powerful thing here is the word surrender. Really puts that focus on the object that yes. you are surrendering to. Yes, it's like this. This is the point. Like, because a lot of people like to claim being humble. Yes. Because we can actually see that that having a level of humility is just a trait of successful people just in general. Like, there are some people who are loud and bombastic and they can kind of skirt through life not being humble, but, like, truly successful people, people who make billions of dollars, like, or do great and amazing things consistently for a long time, usually have some level of humility because it's needed.
0: And also... A level of humility just simply out of respect. Yeah. I mean, I imagine when you were in motorsports, there would have been times when you met uh, riders that were maybe, you know, a lot of ranks above you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you would have treated them with a lot of respect. Yeah. And that would have come from a position of humility. They are better than me, therefore I am humble and I treat them with respect. But you never surrendered to them. Yeah, you never came to them and said, "I give my life to you. I will do anything you say. Uh, any, any of that kind of thing."
1: And at that point, they cease to become your competition. If so, yes. Like, oh man, I remember the first, when I got to Europe, just like riding against those guys and just being starstruck because I'd be looking on Facebook and online, like at the tracks and at the guys. But yeah, no, we're talking about like surrendering is something that is so focused on on this this object of. Of God. It's like we need to fall before Him. And when it comes to, I mean, the Bible describes us as God's children. Mm.
0: And so we get an illustration with our children because, you know, we expect our children to surrender to our will. Mm. It's kind of dangerous if they don't because children are not qualified to navigate this world and yeah. <laughs> we are more qualified than uh-huh. what they are. And so if we don't teach our children to surrender their will to our will, mm. then they will be a willful child and uh, they could easily die, Mm -hmm. and there's probably many experiences of that. Um, It's interesting to put that in the context of what we were talking earlier about the news story with corporal punishment.
1: Mm. I've
0: got a couple of text messages here Oh, on this one. Corporal punishment, Um, one says, I'm all for it, hand-whacked a number of times in my school days, and I came out okay. God does say, if you love your children, don't spare the rod. Obviously, parents don't. Do it while you are angry. Oh, like that statement right there. Because mm. if any time you discipline your child when you're angry, that's not discipline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's abuse. That's abuse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell the child while they are being punished and show them love. For teachers, I actually pity them. Many of them for the abuse they get from their pupils. Mm. Department of Education made the import, impotent made the impotent made them impotent to stop being abused. Let's face it. There are terrible children out there that need discipline.
1: Yeah, my sister's a teacher, she's working as a teacher and she can definitely see the negative effects of a lack of discipline and organisation and just general love at home. There's a long one here. Uh, With regards to corporal punishment, I am a bit on the fence with it. Though
0: I do not have a problem with smacking my children, I do think that Western society does not really promote community care for children like other cultures. I think that it is missed is a missed opportunity. So when it comes to teachers smacking children, I don't think the lesson will be as well learned if Mm. it instead came from the parents. What happened to the days when you uh, kicked up at school, you came came home to a punishment. Yeah. I think Lawson mentioned that uh, earlier, that maybe parents should be doing this, you know, send a note home with the parents and say, you need to smack this child because of, you know, In regards to what the Bible says, the only verse that comes to mind is spare the rod and spoil the child. Although my question is, what was the rod used for in shepherding? Mm. Was it used to smack the sheep or the wolf? My understanding it was to guide the sheep and to smack the wolf. Let me know if my thoughts are wrong. Mm. Mm, That verse says, foolishness lives in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Mm. I think that we have shortened it to spare the rod, spoil the
1: child. Mm.
0: Very interesting, your thoughts on this. We'll appreciate it. That being said,
1: oh, I did... I love... My my dad has just the best stories about this kind of stuff. He's like, yep. So, I acted up in class. I threw an apple at the teacher something like that. I got whacked okay. six six times across the fingers with the cane. I come home hiding my hands. I've got my hands in my pocket. I'm sitting at the dinner table with my dad. And I pull my head out of my pocket to grab my fork to eat food. And my dad sees the cane marks across my hands. And then yep. disciplines me again. Yep. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> That's how it was back in the day. yeah.
0: And you know there was some advantage to that because if the teacher disciplined you in anger mm-hmm. uh, the parent could do it without anger.
1: Yeah, and the parent and would could have an effect. Recontextualize That's the thing where I get kind of nervous and scared about corporal punishment because it's like discipline like you, if you go into if you're in, go into the army. Mm -hmm. you do the wrong thing you're gonna get disciplined and you actively signed up for it and they're professionals and they're trained to do that and it's actually good for you that they discipline you like fantastic um discipline is a fantastic thing but i i would get worried about having a child going to school and being punished like corporal corporately punished by a teacher who i can't verify whether they were justly or unjustly doing it or not yes that's that's the struggle that that i have but anyways Ah, there you go. Good well,
0: maybe your children need to learn how to praise God when they're in the middle of being...
1: Amen. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now, we are going to get into our draw for the quiz. You've been waiting all week to see who would win the KJV Bible. Now, you guys have been faithfully answering questions and getting in, but actually, we're going to get into some answers for today's quiz. Man, there's there a few a few blunders in there, a few struggles, but right now, we are going to spin the wheel. Okay, you can hear it. It's turning. It's slowing down.
0: It's slowing down faster than usual.
1: It stopped. Okay, we have a winner. We'll try and get them on the phone whilst we try to do that. We'll go through some answers for today's quiz again. According to First Peter, you must always be prepared to give a reason for this. The hope within us. Always have a reason for the hope within us. What is the ninth commandment? This is the one I was laughing over. Don't lie, peeps. In fact <laughs> uh, no, I don't want to out produce the shell. There was there was some there was some misc misinformation in the quiz she might have wrote written down the wrong commandment. <laughs> yeah, the ninth commandment is don't lie or don't bear false witness. In describing the death of Lazarus, Jesus said Lazarus was asleep. Where did John the Baptist baptize people? It wasn't a lake. It wasn't an ocean. It wasn't a bowl. It was a river. And finally, how many wise men from the east visited Jesus in Bethlehem? The Bible doesn't specify. There weren't Three, there weren't 10. There weren't 20. We don't know. Dan, that's the correct answer. So, if you wrote three, we're we're sorry. We're sorry. Now, can we get our winner on the phone? We cannot. Um, Fortunately, Raphael. So, we have two different Raphaels. So, Uh this this Raphael... he is usually about to work already. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Raphael, because you have won our KJV now, Bible. Now, 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 the two Raphaels that are
0: regular texts
1: to the show, both of them are wondering, which one am I? Who has won this? Well, <laughs> well if they're listening, then they're not at work yet. Yeah. Okay, yes. so if you're listening
0: to the show right now and you're not at
1: work... And your name's Raphael. If your name's sorry. Raphael and you're retired, it wasn't you, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that Raphael's, like, in the quiz, but then there's, say there's another Raphael, they're like, I didn't even enter, like... <laughs> <laughs> what what's going on? But hey, congratulations, Raphael. You get to win this incredible, amazing Bible. But right now it is time for Question of the Day. Our question of the day today comes from Sherry and she just simply asks this. She just says, the hundred and forty four thousand. I'm having trouble understanding this.
0: Okay, so a couple of observations. You start your study with 144,000 in the first four verses of Revelation chapter 7, where the Bible says 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel goes on to list 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000 from another tribe. And as it goes through that particular list, it, uh, you will notice that not all the tribes of Israel are there. There's no tribe of Ephraim. There's no tribe of Dan. Mm. And so you've got a very different list. And so what you've got to understand in the Bible is that there are two types of Israel. You have both literal Israel and you have spiritual Israel. Both of them have 12 tribes. The book of James speaks to spiritual Israel in James chapter 1 and verse 1 and describes spiritual Israel, the church, as being 12 tribes. The spiritual Israel, of course, where Paul says, you know, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Greek, but you are all one in Christ, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. So that's spiritual Israel. And so when we find the list that we have in Revelation chapter 7, very clearly this is not literal Israel. This is now spiritual Israel that we are dealing with. It cannot be literal Israel because it does not list literal Israel. So then, okay, so who are they? They are not literal Israel. We know that they are a part of God's church. Where do they fit in? The answer to this is found in identifying where they are and what they are doing. If you can identify where they are and you can identify what they are doing, then you can identify the 144,000. Uh, in Revelation 14, the Bible says, I looked and a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. There's the first thing that we find is, where are they? They are on Mount Zion. It goes on. It says, I heard a voice from heaven. And Oh, sorry, verse 3. They sung as it were a new song before the throne. So geographically they are on Mount Zion in front of the throne. We clear so far? Yes. Good. What are they doing? Uh, verse 2, I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, the voice of great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers within, harping with their harps. They sung a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no one could learn the song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Okay, so here's what we've got. They're standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne singing a unique song. clear mm. so mm. far? Yeah. All right. One more thing that we need to discover as far as geography goes, and we're going to find this by going to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass. All right, so they're standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne. What are they standing on? The Sea of Glass because Mm -hmm. that's what's in front of the throne. Mm -hmm. So we've got the 144,000, they're standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne on the Sea of Glass singing a unique song. Mm -hmm. We follow so far? Mm -hmm. Now you simply go to Revelation chapter 15 and in Revelation chapter 15 you find this. I saw, as it were, a sea of glass. There's his sea of glass mingled with fire. And those that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass. So here you have a group of people that are standing on the sea of glass, that, that are on Mount Zion because that's where the sea of glass is. They're in front of the throne because that's where the sea of glass is. And then, what are they doing in verse 3? They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true your ways, you King of saints. So here we have a group of people standing on Mount Zion, in front of the throne, on the sea of glass, singing a unique song. And who does the Bible tell us they are? The Bible very clearly says that they are those who have gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name. Mm. Okay, so who then is that? Well, that is the very last group of people who are alive here on this earth mm-hmm. just before the mm-hmm. return of Jesus Christ. Yep. These are those people that get to see Jesus come in the clouds without ever experiencing death. They are translated to heaven without ever dying because none of us have the victory over the mark of the beast because the mark of the beast has not yet been enforced. You cannot gain the victory over something if you have never been challenged with that something. So, there's your answer. That's who 144,000 are, that's the short version. Um, Of course, we can look at the Song of Moses and we can see in the Song of Moses that that was a song of experience. It was the experience of a group of people who went through plagues to be delivered to the promised land. Mm. What happens at the end of time? People go through plagues to be delivered to the promised land and that song that they sung was a song of their experience. And so you find that they go through the plagues to the promised land, and they sing a song of their experience. The Israelites sung a song of experience going through the Red Sea. 144,000 sing a song of experience living right up to the return of Jesus Christ. Let's all aspire to be amongst and them. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday afternoon between yes. 3.30 and 5.30 for Producer Shell's new show. Mm-hmm. It's been going for three weeks now, and it's absolutely amazing. So do that, and you'll be blessed. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
1: God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels, God uphold you, with his sheep secure.